Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So last episode, we had a lot of audio issues and I had to cut a lot of audio out from the episode. I probably cut out about 30 minutes of what we were talking about because I didn't realize as we were recording, your microphone was cutting in and out for some reason. And so I sad. didn't. Yeah. So when you were talking to me as we were recording, it sounded fine. But then when I went to go do the editing, a lot of what you were saying was cutting out and it got really bad towards the end. I don't know why that is. God knows people hang on my every word. So it was just horrible. I worked so hard, broke out of sweat and then only to have it end up on the editing floor. Yes. A lot of it had to get cut, but one of the things that I had to cut was I tried to leave it in, but I don't think people could really hear it was your rating for the last book. So do you remember your rating? Do you want to say it again in case people weren't able to tell what you were saying last time? I don't even remember the name of the last (laughs) (laughs) book. Was it the troll one? Tamed by the Troll? Okay, I loved that book and I gave that book for wet panties. In fact, I not only love that book, I am reading the third book in the series And the fourth book is dropping sometime this month. It seems like the third book could have done with some more editing. I think a lot of things were repeated in the book. But overall, I still am really enjoying it. Okay, and that's part of the reason why I wanted you to kind of recap what you were saying last time. Because I felt really bad because I wasn't a huge fan of the book. You really liked it. And I knew you at the time of recording, you were reading book two. If we have praises for authors, I always want to leave those in. But unfortunately, because of the audio issues, I had to cut out some of the awesome things you were saying about the books. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> for yeah, the I, I think it's a good book. Um, You know, People should try it and see what they think. But any book that enables me to get lost in it, I really enjoy. And I just, I really enjoyed this author's writing style and props to her. I I already pre-ordered the, the fourth book in the series. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. Okay, so then today we are talking about a book called Angel Born. It is book one in the Eternal Flame series by author L. Penelope. And we haven't read anything by this author before. And this book actually came out in 2015. So it's a little bit of an older book. Yeah, time's flying. Seems like yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, do you want to start? Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because I have some brief notes of what kind of recap what happened. I did a lot of highlighting in this book. So I think between that and whatever you had highlighted, we can get a pretty good idea for the listeners of what happens in the story. This was a pretty short story. I think it was around 150 pages, maybe a little less. It was a short story, but there was a lot happening. I I realized after I was taking a look at my notes, I highlighted a lot of things in this book. I had a lot of highlights also because I felt the same way. There was a okay. lot of kind of info dumping. She does that a couple points in the book. And then also I feel like even though it was a shorter book, the characters are pretty well developed. So you get a lot mm-hmm. of backstory on them and a lot of information on them as individual people. Yeah. When I started reading the book, I was thinking, wait a minute, what, what is happening here? But then, you know, 
the more you read, obviously, the more you understand. So go ahead, start. So chapter one starts from the point of view of Caleb in something called the before. So Caleb is running through a war-torn area with a woman in his arms named Viv as he's running with her and kind of dodging all of these things happening in the war and the bombs and the bullets and the things. He is trying to convince her to say some very important words because if she does it, he will end up in a place that is horrible and won't come back. So like you're saying, a lot of this story unravels slowly. It takes us a little while to figure out what this war is and what she needs to say and where right. is this place he's going to end up to. So you're you're a little lost, but you're also, I at least was really sucked into it from the get-go because it... Yeah, because mm -hmm. it starts in such a high-intensity situation. Yeah, I thought it was, oh, they're in a, the future, or, oh, they're on another planet, or, oh, what is happening? And yes, he's trying to get her to say these certain words, and she tells him, I love you, but I don't know that I can say them. She's very worried about risking her soul, and she's super religious, and apparently the reverend told her, don't risk your soul. Mm -hmm. So we're like, who the hell is this Caleb person that her soul's at risk? Eventually, she does try to say these words that end up being a soul binding. Mm -hmm. But they actually both end up dying before she can finish them. So yes. that was really surprising. They die like three pages into the story. <laughs> right, yes. And is it that so, one we find out about what war it is, or is it later? Later. Okay. Yeah, it's a couple chapters later that we find out which war that was. Mm -hmm. So still within chapter one, now we have something called the now. And mm -hmm. it's Caleb waking up in what I have at this point in the book as hell, question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not really sure. Where is he? My highlight from this is, though my powers are weaker here, they never fade, but still I don't use them. There isn't anyone to charm. The soulless cannot be healed, and I haven't found a place worth flying to. Walking is merely a feeble attempt to stave off boredom and pass the time. Mm -hmm. And then we also learn about um, somebody he knows named Ren. So my highlight continues. However, Ren has always had a different attitude. I have never asked how he got here. There's really only one option. He's angel born, just as I am. So he must have chosen the human world over euphoria, then died with no soul. Yes. And then we find out about something called they refer to as the vultures and i thought what the hell are these things and we find out that they're really fast and they can fly and they are full angels that are always faster and stronger than caleb and wren who are referred to as halflings vultures kind of sound like hell prison wardens i kind of picture them in my mind as dementors from harry potter even though they're really not anything like that but that's for some reason what i kept picturing in my mind as i was reading this chapter yeah but then we find out they're they're angels mm -hmm. yes on this day caleb is about to start his normal boring routine his day is interrupted by ren and ren basically takes him on a trip and is like hey let's go do whatever i have something to show you he's very cryptic come to find out it's actually an escape mission mm -hmm. which doesn't really people don't escape from this hell and if it's kind of pointless to even try because of those vultures we talked about. Um, they are able to find what is called a portal. It sounded really cool. And their escape mm -hmm. from this hell was it's very... It's called the Wasteland, right? Wasteland. Yes, thank you. Yes. Their escape from the Wasteland is very fast-paced. It's very high stakes. You're really like mm -hmm. in it with them. And you can like... They're flying. They're trying to escape the vultures. Yeah. They're trying to get to <laughs> yeah. the portal. So you're like, oh my God, we went from the war where they died. Now we're in the wasteland and we're going on this other thing. All within like 10 pages of the story. Yes. Very action packed. And I guess when they go through the portal, they're just energy, right? They're just light and energy. Yes. It's kind of like in, oh God, that Disney Pixar movie. What is it? Inside Out? This is a very obscure reference, even from within a weird movie reference I'm doing. When they're in 
the inside out. They go into this area of like the dream realm, which is just like two dimensional and they change forms and they change shapes and all this. God, I wish I could remember what it was called. It was a really cool scene in the movie, but that's kind of what it seemed like here as they're traveling <laughs> through the portal. Mm -hmm. They're going from like angel form to weird, non-existent, we're just energy form. Then they're mm -hmm. spit Rainbow out. Rainbow color. Yeah. Then they get spit out into the human area and then they're in human form. So this is what it says. They're, they are denied going to a place called Euphoria. Euphoria is close to us. And that's, you can go there if you have a soul, but the Ren and Caleb do not have a soul thinking as they're going through this portal, the human world is the only one true option. Only among the humans can we hide from the vultures and any other interested angels. And then as they're going through the portal, they're starting to feel some kind of pull from the other side and they're sucked into the human world. Okay, so I... <laughs> I had, of course, had to Google the inside out abstract thought stages because that's what it was. Okay. Where they went through. So they have four stages. There's non-objective fragmentation, deconstruction, two-dimensionalization, and non-figurative. Anyways, like I said, it's a very random reference but when you watch the movie it's really cool to see how the characters go through those stages and that's what i pictured or thought of when i was reading mm -hmm. of them going through the portals yeah because they realize when they get through the portal they go back into their human form because they're in the human world they realize as soon as they get there that three quarters of a century has gone by since he was last there yes we also find out that once they make it there they have to kind of steal their clothes and steal their food, or they can do something called charming and they could charm mm -hmm. people into giving them things. So they do this as soon as they get to the human realm, they steal a couple clothes from a thrift store and they end up parting ways. But before they say their goodbyes, Ren gives Caleb a piece of paper. And on that paper, all it says is Jenna Brookwood, Douglas University, Baltimore. Mm -hmm. so that's how chapter one ends yes and then we end up after that we are in the before suddenly we're in someone else's pov yes chapter two is maya's point of view and it's her before yeah when she was a little kid apparently and the they're trying, somebody's trying to comb her hair, somebody by the name of Miss Sadie. And Miss Sadie's teaching her how to, apparently she's African-American. And Miss Sadie's trying to help her, teach her how to braid her hair. While she's looking out the window, she sees, it says, the stars fly fast like someone threw it and shoot down, it shoots down to hover over the rooftop. Then it sips to, zips to the building next door. It disappears for a moment. So she's seeing this light happening, the stars moving, which we find out or realize that the stars are these angels coming through the portal. I very quickly, in Maya's point of view, realized that she was seeing ghosts because mm -hmm. her interactions or her thoughts about Miss Sadie pretty much lend to the fact that, you know, Miss Sadie's not actually there. So one of the thoughts she has about Miss Sadie is... She stands by the door, giving me directions, almost always in the same spot. Though sometimes she'll walk over to look out the window. She never sits down. And she's like, can't you do this for me? And she's like, no, honey, you have to learn how to do it. Well, and then she kind of says like, well, you know, I can't. I don't think she comes out directly and says, you know, I can't touch you, but she's kind of like, you need yeah, to she learn doesn't this. Say that. Yeah. And then her father walks in the room and says, what do you? who are you talking to? And she says, I'm talking to Miss Sadie. Her father tells her, what have I told you about these imaginary friends of yours? You're getting too old for this. Miss Sadie's just glaring at him. She says, using her angry face, even though he can't see her. So we're like, oh. At some point during, during that day, I think it's the same day, um, some really mean guys arrive at the dad's house and Miss Sadie starts yelling at Maya to hide in her room. As she's hiding in her room, the, you can hear the guys and the dad fighting in the other rooms. Mm -hmm. And then 
Miss Sadie ends up telling her, like, run out the fire escape. You need to get out of here. And Miss yeah. Sadie ends up being able to take form enough to kind of hold the door so that they're not able to get through. Miss Sadie ends up using the last of her, what I'm calling ghostly powers. It's mm-hmm. a very technical. Energy. Yes. Energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's using all of that to fend off the bad guys and kind of buy Maya some time to escape off the fire escape. Then we end up in what's called the now. It's a guy saying, can you settle a bet for me? And she's grown now and she's stocking shells at like a CVS or some kind of drugstore. She's not paying attention to him. She He's trying to touch her and she's like, please don't touch me. She's ignoring him a lot i really liked how this interaction played out and how she's gotten really creative as she's older now she's what would you say like 19 or 20 yeah she's starting college okay so yeah so she's not sure if the guy talking to her in the drugstore is alive or dead. So she's ignoring him because she thinks he might be a ghost. And at one point she like grabs something off the shelf and throws it at him and he ends up catching it. And then she realizes, okay, he's alive. <laughs> but I was like, that's right. actually very smart to see if this flies through him or not. Yeah, if it goes through him or right. And she talks about somebody called Rosie that she's going to go back to somebody called Rosie and tell her, I just can't do this and go to the middle of nowhere and live because it's I, I can't deal because she can see dead people and they won't leave her alone she's slowly losing her mind trying yeah. to navigate ghosts versus the alive people that are constantly around her yeah and rosie was her social worker obviously she got put in the system and she went to several foster places but because these creepy things could interact with her people thought she was crazy so to save herself the hassle, she pretends like it's not happening and she's she's not seeing them because she doesn't want people to think she's crazy. She wants to go to college. So she does go to college. She goes to some place called Douglas University. It's basically Howard for the book, probably because the author's not allowed to say that it's Howard University, but that's basically what it is. What the hell is Howard University and how do you know it's Howard? What is Howard? A Howard University is like a really famous, like african-american school oh let me look it up is it in baltimore it it actually might be i don't know (laughs) but oh howard is in well basically it's in washington dc actually okay Um, and it says howard university is a private federally chartered historically black research university anyways that's just what i thought of when she was talking about douglas university that because she talks about how there's a lot of african-american students at this school predominantly attending well you know a lot more about stuff than i do so <laughs> we find well you do i mean i don't know so she we end up finding out that she's living in a dorm now and she has a roommate and her roommate is jenna and i like this part because she walks into her dorm room and from her this is all from her point of view she's thinking he's here again the strange one with the haunted eyes they her, I highlighted her, that too oh yeah it's, she thinks my social worker rosie even pulled strings to get me into the nor- newest part of the dorm because she doesn't want to be in an old dorm because there will be ghosts. And it says, this one is weird. He's kind of a <laughs> failed hipster, all wannabe, thrift store chic in weird jeans and goofy t-shirt. But it totally doesn't work for him. That's pretty rare. And he's completely obsessed with Jenna. I thought that was hilarious because it's obviously Caleb. And yes. he, he is wearing thrift store fine. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it it was very funny. She calls him ghost boy in her mind because and her roommates introducing her to Caleb. Mia meet Caleb and she says the ghost boy's staring at me and she's thinking I don't engage the dead anymore. And she's all, I know that Jenna can't see him. She never has before. So I have no idea what she's talking about. So she thinks so, she thinks her roommate's losing, I think, right? No, she thinks that she's losing her mind because Caleb's been haunting Jenna by like floating in the corner oh, of the so bedroom. Creepy. Yeah, at and, the ceiling. 
Yeah. So because he's been floating in the corner of the room for like days and weeks at this point, she knows he's a ghost. But then all of a sudden one day, Jen is like, Maya, this is my boyfriend, Caleb. Caleb, this is my roommate, Maya. And Maya's like, what in the actual fuck is happening? And, and it I literally think, says, what the fuck? Yes. I, I think <laughs> Jenna touches Caleb or Caleb yes. shakes Maya's hand or something happens where she's like, oh my fucking God. And she runs out of there because she's like, it's official. I've really lost my mind now. And so she runs out of the dorm room and like hides on the campus but, oh, it's in this chapter that we learn that Caleb died in London during World War II. So that was the war that happened in chapter one. He ends up following Maya and he ends up comforting her. And we also find out that he can turn invisible at will. So that's why she thinks he's a ghost because he can turn invisible to other people. Now we start seeing interactions between Caleb and Jenna around the campus and basically what's happening is Caleb is pretending to be a college student there so that he can be near Jenna. But he, of course, doesn't have any classes. He just overhears people talking around campus and uses what he hears to, to kind of get to know her. But as he's doing that, he's now interacting with Maya. He's kind of intrigued that Maya can see him and ghosts. So they start having more interactions and conversations with one another. And it's through those conversations, we learn a lot more about Caleb and what it mm -hmm. means to be a halfling slash angel born. Right. So we find out he's half human and half angel. And she's like, I don't understand. You're not all blinding and bright. Because she can see angels energy too. So when people are dying or die, she sees this orange or red or bright, really super bright light. And they come to take the soul of the person that has passed. So she's very confused because he's trying to explain to her what an angel born is and he's not he's not an angel and he's explaining that he doesn't have a soul. Yeah, he says that there's two types of halflings, angel born and human born and that the human born have souls and the mm -hmm. angel born do not. I thought that was really interesting. Yes. And he says, this is kind of a long highlight that I have, that I want to read. Go ahead. He says, I can go to the human world and live among them, but eventually my angel powers will fade, making it impossible to take my angel form and pass through a portal to return home. And if I die in my human form, there will be no angel of death coming to usher my soul away. No angel of life to pair me with a new body. I will meet only the specialized sect of warriors who guard the place that most in Euphoria don't ever have cause to speak of. The wasteland represents the failures of the angels to effectively elevate souls. Yeah, it was all interesting. And I have my whole life I've been interested in angels and the hierarchy of angels and the you know what they represent and what they do so i was really caught up in this book i thought it was really interesting too because she as he's talking to her she's like uh so angels are just using us for power we're just batteries like in the matrix explains that there's energy coming off of a soul and that they need that energy right in order for angels to exist so it's like a what is that relationship between symbiotic relationship yes because so the angels get the energy the battery energy from the humans then this was another highlight i have it moves through the lifetimes growing and changing this it being souls Becoming stronger and more powerful, the grand journey. Angels are tasked with cultivating souls, leading them into new bodies over and over, affecting their destinies and futures so that eventually they're strong enough to join the eternal flame, the driving force behind euphoria. So it's kind of like the angels are helping people go through all their resurrected lives. Mm -hmm. And in exchange for that, they are getting the energy that they need. It kind of freaked me out a little and did remind me of the um, Sarah Moss Crescent City books. But those were okay. Evil. Yeah, how they're 
taking the energy of the people or whatever. I didn't think about that book at all, which is funny because I, I really like that book. <laughs> but but oh, yeah, now that, that you're book, saying yeah. it, it, it does remind me of that uh, one. I can't think of the name of the gate, but yeah, the bad yes. gate. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, apparently different guilds in heaven and you, I'm going to call it heaven. I mean, angels get to join these different guilds, but because he's a halfling, he's barred from the honor guilds, leaving only records, peace, life, and death. It was really interesting to learn about all those different types of angels that she had in the book. And you learn about the peace versus the war angels mm -hmm. and how they have to coexist even though they're polar opposites always working against each other it was all very interesting how she explains these things in the story right and they she also explains that seraphims which is the highest order of angel they make all the rules and all everybody else has to follow those rules asking why are, can't you be in this guild and he tells her because he's half human he's considered too emotional. Yeah. And he has an affinity for the humans. He's even, we see some interactions with him and his angel mother. She's very detached, doesn't really care, but he very much takes after, I guess the human father he has. And he's always been very interested in the humans. Yeah. There's a quote here and he tells her there's too much humanity. Her mo The mother tells him there's too much humanity in you. You are weak and prone to emotionality. Um, it's also in this chapter where he explains to Maya that he took a ch what he says, a chance on love. Jenna was actually Vivian when he knew her before, but that they have the same soul. And yeah, the soul's the same, but the outward appearance and the body obviously changes. And there's only one, if they find their soulmate in their lifetime and they get this person to say the words, she can, that person can share their soul with the halfling that does not have a soul. And we also find out later that Vivian was actually a white woman, mm -hmm. not 100% white, but she was basically a white woman in the 30s when he knew her before. And so they had a kind of controversial interracial relationship, but they were in London at the time, like I said. Yeah, I thought it was really fascinating because we learned that he tells... Um, Maya, that he died in 1940. So they died in London during the Blitz mm -hmm. during World War II. Mm -hmm. And this yeah, is his last cool. chance. It's the last chance to convince, to get Jenna to recognize him, realize their soulmates, and get her to finish that statement she needs to make about, I will bind my soul to you for all eternity. I know it's so sweet, but also really sad. He says to Maya, because of course he's not saying any of this to Jenna. He says mm -hmm. to Maya, the only way for me to avoid the wasteland is for a human to bind her soul with me. It allows us to be reborn like you and always find our soulmate again in any lifetime. Swoon. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> really swoon. All right. So where are you now? Uh, chapter five. Okay. That's where I am. All right. So Maya has tons of nightmares because when she's sleeping, this is other creepy stuff. There was so much stuff in this book that really made you feel what was happening. Mm -hmm. So he's Caleb's floating on the ceiling while Jenna and Maya are sleeping. And he can tell that Maya's having a nightmare and he is not supposed to enter into a human's everything he does on earth take some of his power and his energy. And if he depletes his energy, he's going to be gone he'd be without getting a chance. But because he wants to know what's going on with Maya, he goes into her dreams. And this is where we find out about poor Maya. You know, it says the core, as soon as they said the corridor smells of ammonia and there's a low greenish light, I was like, Oh my God. And <laughs> <laughs> he, right? He hears her screaming. He runs down the hall calling to her and she's wearing this torn up hospital gown. She says she can see him in her dream. He's calling to her trying to get her 
attention and she's all Caleb and she's yelling at someone named Natasha. This so freaked me out. Yes. Yeah. This whole thing was kind of creepy. Kind we of find creepy. Out- oh, it was super <laughs> creepy. Yeah. We find out earlier in the book, we find out that she doesn't have use of her left hand. And we don't know why until later in the story. But Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I disagree with that. She has use of her left hand, but she's got a gigantic scar running down the length of her arm. I didn't I didn't read anywhere that she doesn't have the use of her left arm. Well, okay, so in chapter four, okay. she clenches her fist, the right one, and she thinks, my left hand can't do much of anything anymore but twitch involuntarily. I'm trying to find that. I didn't I didn't gleam from that that she doesn't have use of her left hand, but that could be me or it could be you. I don't know. Yeah. So it, yeah, it doesn't wait, really it doesn't it, matter. No, it really doesn't matter, but just kind of keep that little nugget in mind mm-hmm. for like there's something happening with her left hand and the scar on her arm. There's something really weird happening with this Natasha girl and these fucked up really scary dreams that she's having yeah Mm -hmm. and it's goes more towards the unraveling not even really unraveling the tying together that the author does later in the story from all these little kernels she drops right you know throughout the book yeah i loved this part because she is screaming and he in the book he thinks I wrap an arm around her and break the cardinal rule of dream walking. We stand in a green valley, the clouds low enough to touch. We both divest ourselves of the shreds of our clothing and dip into cool, refreshing waters. So he took her out of the dream and they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So Okay. So they're basically skinny dipping at this point. Yeah. And well, so my highlight from that section was, um, this is Caleb thinking this. In my previous life, I had never given in. Viv had accepted my proposal of marriage before we died but had Mm. been firm in her desire to remain chaste. Mm -hmm. The 21st century, however, is stimulating in ways I hadn't ever imagined. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's a big old virgin. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. This was scary though, because he, he asks her, well, how do you get out of these dreams on your own? If I'm, you know, not here to help you. And she just looks at him Mm -hmm. and says, I die. Yes. Yes. Scary. I I love them talking. And he says, Maya's pain has branded me searing more than just my skin. Mm -hmm. I love the, I love the way the author writes this dialogue, the internal dialogue. Yeah. It's pretty good. And so now we just get more of him being around because of Jenna Mm-hmm. Maya is kind of trying to avoid them. I think she goes and has lunch with Rosie, or is she thinking about? A no, time she goes she to see her. Rosie? Okay, yeah. So even though she's aged out of the system, Rosie, Rosie was the very first person that believed her when she said she she told her, "I can see the dead." No one had ever believed her before. They had stuck her in a psych ward. She was there for a inc- ridiculously long time because they thought she tried to hurt herself with that big scar down her arm, but she didn't. And she finally tells Rosie when she's a kid what happened. And she tells her that she can see ghosts and this is what happened. And Rosie believes her. And Rosie confides in her that she had a twin and that her twin used to see things. I really liked Rosie. Of course. She's, she's, of course, a lovable character. Yeah. So while Maya is hanging out with Rosie and they're talking, Maya ends up asking her, do you believe in soulmates? She talks a little bit about soulmates. And then Rosie says something about the multi- having multiple soulmates. Yeah. And what if you meet two at the same time? What if you're lucky enough for that? And Maya says, would that be lucky and Rosie says, to find two people perfect for you in every way, that's what we call an abundance of riches. Mm. And Maya says, 
It sucks for the one who doesn't get picked, though, doesn't it? Then Rosie says, well, they would just have someone else for them, right? Because if you have multiple soulmates, then you have multiple chances. But this was so sad because Maya thinks, cosmic mysteries of the universe are not my thing. It doesn't matter anyway. It's not like anyone is climbing out of hell for me. I know. Oh, yeah. Maya. Poor Maya. Maya's had a really hard life. So speaking of her hard life, then we get some more of her before in this chapter. And this is when Maya is uh, a teenager, I think. Young teenage-ish, 14 or 15. And she's living with somebody named Karen and David. Mm -hmm. This is when she meets Rosie. Rosie met her in a psych ward when she came out of there oh no she was living with karen and david then she ended up going to the psych ward and while she's in the psych ward that's when she meets rosie so she didn't have rosie yeah. before right that's i said it out of order she, my bad she was in a foster home and because mm -hmm. this incident this horrible incident happened in the foster home karen and david can't take take her again and that's when they put her in the psych ward oh rosie even warns her i love rosie because rosie tells her don't tell people you're seeing these dead people i think your best bet is you go to the psych ward and then you pretend like you're getting better and you don't see these dead people anymore that's pretty smart and that's actually how she gets out of the psych ward eventually <laughs> but she's there for over a year i'm like oh my god so while she's talking to rosie that's how we find out that this girl named Natasha stabbed her and started a fire in that foster house she was living in. Right. But because nobody else can see what's happening, they think she did it. They think Maya did it. So they're like, you can't live here anymore. Yeah. So she ends up again. It's a, you know, she talks to Rosie. Then she ends up there's a, the next chapter is also called the before and it's Viv talking to Caleb. And he meets her parents and her father really likes him. And even though they're interracial, her father, Viv's father is fine with her being with him. Well, we find out that Viv's father was also mm -hmm. a black man. And so he he's half, actually... Wasn't like, he? I don't know. He Well, so... Viv's dad says, my father was colored, never met him myself. He died when I was a lad. Viv's mom knows all about it, of course. She just pretends to forget. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess he's okay with it because he's half black himself. Yeah, he's pretty progressive for the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. Don't have anything highlighted from chapter eight. I don't know why not. Do you have anything from that chapter? Uh, the only thing that I have is that he explains to Maya that if Gemma uh, or Jenna agrees to bind with me, I can take on my angel form and, you know, have his powers, then it won't matter because he's still hiding from the vultures. And he says if he can get her to to bind with him, um, it won't matter if he dies after that because he'll have a soul. And he can be reborn and the vultures won't be able to get him. That's all I have. Oh, okay. I think this is the chapter where they end up working together so that Caleb can take on his angel form and take away her, what he calls the sight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your sight. So mm -hmm. he says, I can take on my angel form and take away your sight permanently. But if I do that, the vultures will find me and take me away. And so Maya ends up basically telling him, I will kind of help you with Jenna, try to help you guys get bound. I'll let you know if I sense the vultures mm -hmm. because she can see them. She can, she can see, see all the angels yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And in exchange for that, as soon as Jenna agrees to bind with Caleb, Caleb said he will take his angel form and take away her sight her for her. Sight. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter at that point if the vultures come for him because he'll already be bound to her. Right. And they'll find so, each other again in the next life. Yes. So now at this point, they start working together. 
to get him bound to Jenna. So probably should have said this at the beginning of the review. And I really thought this what? before I thought this, like as I was reading the book and of course I forgot to write it down. He spends most of the book with Jenna. So if people don't like the other woman trope, or they don't like the fact that the main characters are not together for most of the book, they probably would hate this book. For me, I didn't mind it because it all made sense. But mm -hmm. I know some people have a problem with that. And I meant to say that at the beginning. And I totally forgot and biffed it. So that's my bad. And I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but if, you, if you're under the impression, the book gives you the impression that there is probably only one soulmate for you. And this is his last chance. It this reminds me so much. There's an an older movie, and I still love this movie, even though it seems kind of corny. It's still I love it. Timothy Hutton is in it, stars in it, and it's called Made in Heaven. And it's about two souls. He was a person and dies. He goes to heaven. He meets a spirit who is Kate. Uh, what's her name? Kath Kathleen McGillis. Kathy McGillis. Anyway, she's never been to heaven. They end up falling in love in heaven. And they're, they send her. She's So she needs to go to earth because she's never been to earth. She needs to be born with a soul. And he's, he's in love with her. And he's like, please let me go. And they're like, you're never going to find her. It's so good. I love this movie. I highly recommend it. It's called Made in Heaven. Mm-hmm. I think I've actually seen that movie a long time ago. Yeah, they do a lot of mind speaking. He His aunt helps him adjust to being in heaven. And her dream was to be an artist. So she's like painting, you know, these beautiful masterpieces. And every day she's like in France. You know, you see it in the background. It's really cool. It's all about love and souls and soulmates. I thought it was great. Anyway. Uh I, so chap, now we're at chapter nine. So in chapter yes. nine, they just do dream walking, but basically in each other's dreams. So she ends up going to the wasteland. He ends up going to like her hospital dream. And at one point they end up somewhere like totally different. And she, I wanted to read this highlight because it's really fucking sad. And if you don't fall in love with Maya, in this book and like feel horrible for her life, then I don't know yeah. what's wrong with you. Okay. So <laughs> she says, <laughs> she says, take me to my regular dream to the hospital. Wake me up something. He walks around to face me, lifting my chin. His fingers singe my skin. Why? Why would you want to go back to that? She responds, because it's real to me. That's what my reality is. I won't ever mm. have someone risking everything for me. I'm not Jenna. I don't get mm. the night coming in on horseback, asking for a piece of my soul. My soul is dark. That's the way my dreams should be. It all fits. Oh, I know. It's so sad. Maya. sad. And, he, and he is absolutely blown away that she can dream walk in his dream of the wasteland because he's like how can you do that there's something incredibly powerful in you right but yes i highlighted what you just read also it because it was so freaking moving mm -hmm. i know poor maya yeah so every time he he puts her back in bed and jenna is sleeping he disappears to his own room, but every anytime he comes back, it's getting harder and harder for her to be around him because they're growing closer, but he needs to get Jenna because it seems like Jenna's the only one that can save him from this fate of going back to the wasteland. That's she's his hope. I know. She's really conflicted. Yeah, and she's even trying to encourage him, saying, I don't understand why you haven't kissed her yet. You're taking too long. She's getting confused. She's thinking that you're not interested. Because he's trying to get Jenna to recognize his soul as, mm -hmm. it's, and acknowledge him as her, the soulmate before he makes a move on her. And Maya's telling him, no, you need." she's getting really confused. You need to speed up. 
Yeah, she says it's not 1940 anymore. Waiting to kiss someone for three weeks is considered weird, not gentlemanly. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yes. And, and in this life, Jenna is also still very religious as well. Yeah, she, kind of as yes, a side she note. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's trying to tell herself, I shouldn't be lusting after Caleb. It's wrong. She did try sex, but she just, it was really sad how she even had sex. She tried it one time with a stranger. She didn't even take off all her clothes. She insisted that she was on top so that she could have control. And then she just got off him and left. And I thought, oh, God, girl, you should at least I know. you should at least get something. And she, oh, she ends up meeting a stranger. There's some stranger, right? And she says he, he's like a James Dean type, leaning against the wall in front of her, clutching an unlit cigarette in his hands, his fingers shaking. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's His shirt has blood stains on it. She sees the go she sees these angels coming for this guy's spirit. He and he died of a overdose. Yes. Yeah, so she sees that guy, and then two angels show up. Mm -hmm. And then she starts to freak out because she's never seen two before. And so she thinks that they're the vultures. Mm-hmm. And so she's watching them kind of interact with this dead guy. Oh, and when you're dead, you have free will. So if the angels want to take you and you don't want to go, you don't have to go with them. But if you don't go with them, don't you end up in the wasteland? I think you just end up walking around Earth as a lost Oh, that's soul. right. Yeah. So she tells the James Dean guy, you should go back with them. There's nothing out there for you. Yes. Yeah. And she realizes one of the angels is the angel of death. And then she yells at it. <laughs> she does. She has a, yeah, go ahead. She says, why don't you make them go with you? Why leave them to just wander around? What do you think they can do here? Take care of unfinished business? No one can see them. No one but me. You know, sometimes they go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And she says, it's cruel. Yeah, and they explain they have to have free will. Yeah, they must have a choice. So... But then one of the angels ends up staying, a guy, and he ends up talking to her. This was fascinating to me. Yeah, she says... She says, you're not a vulture, are you? And he, that's, he, he looks at her and he's, he's like, how do you know that term? How do you know about the wasteland, right? Oh, he says, a vulture, and she says, angelic guardian of the wasteland. And he says, I'll have to tell them that's what you call them. But how could you know about them? <laughs> right. How could you know? And he, again, there's different guilds, and he's not a, what's called a guardian. And he can't, quote unquote, read her. And he, he puts his hand on her forehead, and he's like, "I, you're a really powerful interesting girl yes but when he puts his hand on her forehead he ends up taking her sight away and then she ends up at some point telling him like no no i i need that sight back like you can't you can't have it yeah and he and he's right. like but you hate it it's the cause of every bad thing that's ever happened to you and she says yes but i promise to help caleb mm -hmm. we find out this guy's name is helix yes and she does explain, she explains to him, which I thought was interesting, that one, she's helping him because he will permanently remove these powers of hers, right? But she temporarily, he removes them. And it's the first time in her life that she can walk through the world and be unharried by ghosts and dead people and horrible things happening around her. This guy is such a fucking troublemaker, but he's also really funny. Because mm -hmm. he gives her her sight back, but then he starts, like, whistling and walking away. And she's like, uh, where are you going? Yeah. And he says, I agree with Caleb. Euphoria does get a bit dull. I think I'll check things out around here. See how this all plays out. 
Mm-hmm. And she says, you won't turn him in. And he says, oh, no, this is the most entertainment I've had in centuries. I want to be front and center when the halfling <laughs> binds his lady love. Don't you? Don't you? Yeah, I highlighted that, too. <laughs> yeah, and she thinks he looks is definitely trouble. What have I done? Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, and he tells her, how does he end up convincing her to sleep with him she she makes some kind of promise so if you don't turn him in i will sleep with you because to her it's only sex and he's like well we're gonna have to get you something nicer to wear because what you're wearing just won't do there's some big hoo-ha party going on <laughs> she, okay they're at like frat parties yeah mm-hmm. and so this is fucking hilarious um helix says Come here, he says, his voice deeper and more resonant. Why? And then she thinks, he's acting pretty weird, even for him. <laughs> he crosses <laughs> his arms. Flap your arms and hop on one leg. I squint at him and cross my arms, mimicking his movement. What the fuck are you talking about? Why would I do that? The mischievous smile is back. I can't charm you either. How fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So then he ends up, so they end up making a deal and I can't remember why, but the deal is basically, you sleep with me. Yeah. He wants to know the carnal pleasures or something while he's there. So he says, or excuse me, she says, vow that if I do this, this being sleep with you, Mm -hmm. you won't turn Caleb into the vultures and you won't do anything to interfere with him getting Jenna to bind with him. Yeah. Yeah. So he tells her, great, but you're going to this party with me. You know, she thinks this guy's really trouble because she doesn't know what he's planning. And yeah, he's up to something. Yeah. But this whole interaction that she has with him about sleeping with him, actually, I don't know why, made me like tear up. When I was Mm. reading it, because I felt so bad for her because she's obviously like having a lot of feelings for Caleb and she'll do absolutely anything to help him. I'll tell you why you were tearing up, because that is true, unconditional love. When you love somebody that much that you will do something for them, even if it means something you don't really want to do, but it will help them. It's yes, it's pure love is what it is. Yeah, she says, um, if I fuck you, you'll leave them alone. And he says, yes. And is there some kind of angel pinky swear you can do so I know (laughs) you mean it? And he says, I will vow it. You can ask your halfling about angel vows and he will verify. That's when she says that thing I quoted earlier. And then he says, I vow it. And she says, how many times? His response, how many times do I have to sleep with you? She says, he says, as many as you'd like. She says, so once then? She's fucking <laughs> hilarious. She is hilarious. <laughs> yes. He does so tell that your mind is radiant. Yeah. Her- me, but yeah, she's, he's really drawn to her because there's some kind of power in her. Mm-hmm. As soon as they make the vow, she says, are we doing this now or what? And he laughs and he says, no, not tonight. We will get together tomorrow and I will take you shopping for some more appropriate attire. I cannot be seen with you when you are looking like some sort of Halloween reject. I do have standards. A makeover and a fuck. How did I get so lucky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So I actually don't have that many highlights for the rest of the book. I think I was too busy getting sucked into it and reading yeah. it too quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, just to summarize, I'll just going to summarize some of my highlights that okay. end up going to this party and she's shocked because Jenna and Caleb are there and she's like, Oh God, she's like, what are you planning? And Caleb turns around and sees her with this guy and he does not like it. He thinks this guy is a disruptor and he puts his hand on her waist and Caleb is like fuming. So he, he, he looks and Caleb, he looks ends up 
telling her, go get a drink. And he whisks Caleb up to the roof. And they have this whole discussion on the roof about what are you doing with her? Why are you interfering? You know, he just tells her, him to relax. Yeah, and he does, <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? Uh, he, like, tells Caleb at one point, I can see why you like her. She is remarkable. Much more interesting than your limp rag of a soulmate. <laughs> yes! Oh, no! It's horrible! Yeah, and he's like, don't do anything to her, leave her alone, blah, blah, blah. Of course, he doesn't. And the next thing we know, he's putting her in a car, his flashy convertible, and driving her where they're going to seal the deal. Yeah, Caleb has, like, an interaction with Jenna, and Jenna kind of is remembering some stuff that happened in the past life. Well, she drinks, and she all of a sudden... Oh, yeah, starts, she's drunk, that's right. Yes, she starts to remember, and it's really weird... Mm -hmm. She says, you love, you love tomatoes. She sounds like Vivian when she's talking and she says, you know, you left me. And he's like, but I found you again. Yeah. So he ends up saying, will you save me? And she says basically something that she would have said in the prior life. Reverend says Ugh. damnation awaits those who don't protect their souls. Beware of demons and angels clothing. Yeah. How sad. And he, she, he, Caleb asks her, did you ever even love me? She's all, well, you're my own angel. I want to save you. And he even tells her it's my last chance. She's not going to help him. Well, and yeah, all, and then well, she ends up throwing up, basically. <laughs> yeah, and he ends up deciding that, fine, I've, I've lost. I'm going to have to go back to the wasteland. But before I do, I'm going to save uh, Maya and not let Helix sleep with her and he's jealous and he's like aware of the fact that he's jealous and he runs off to stop them from having sex. So they and go to do that but then Caleb fucking shows up. Yeah, he pushes his way in the door and he's like, don't do it. It's, you don't have to do it. I, I'm fine going back. And she's like, well, did she, did she do it? Did she bind her soul? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So Caleb ends up taking Maya and they go off to the place on campus where Caleb has been staying, which is basically like the attic of one of the buildings. While they're there, they end up having sex. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, the only place I want to be is right here. The only face I see when I close my eyes is yours. What time I have left, I want to spend with you. Oh, so sad. It is sad. So they end up you know, spending that time together. Yes, and then the vultures show up and they're getting ready to smite him with their obsidian blades. And she's like freaking out, screaming at them, no, you don't hurt him, right? Because she's in love with him. Mm -hmm. And he, he basically says, I'm sorry, I love you. And she's screaming, no, don't do it. And who walks in the door? Helix. Helix. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden we find out he's a good guy. One of the, the angel, one of those angels is named Onyx. And he, Helix tells Onyx, you don't, you can't have him because he did find true love while he was here. And he asks Maya, are you willing to, would you share your soul with him? And she's like, of course I would. I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what saves him. Yeah, she says the binding words, Caleb, I bind my soul to you for all eternity. Mm, I love it. And but, then you can read the... What? What? I was going to say, and then you can read the rest of the book to find out what happens. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. got, we got to talk about this because I, I love this. And okay. she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Or Caleb says, thank you. And he's like, no need. I was just doing my job. And they're like, your job? What guild are you? And he smiles and goes, I'm the angel of resurrection. Yeah. That the was last, cool. That was super cool. And it's the, the last one left. It's an elite band of angels of life. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was the story. Yeah. And the next book is uh, Ren's book because mm-hmm. he looks basically ends up walking off and he's like, I think I'll uh, yeah. check in yeah. on your fellow uh, runaway. Yes. And see how his life is going. Mm-hmm. So book two is, I don't know what it's called, but that's Ren's book. So do you want to read this book? Sure. You want me to go first? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. I really, really liked this story. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I don't know if you remember me saying before, but I was like, I had to actually pay for this book. So it better, better be really oh, yes. fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really good. I really liked the characters. I would probably give it four panties. I don't know if they're really wet or not because uh, romance wise or not. Ro- it was very romantic, but yeah, as I should say was very low, but I really liked how the story unfolded. You don't really know what Caleb is at the beginning of the book. You find out eventually what he is. You don't really know about Maya's abilities until eventually, and it all kind of flows and plays out really well. So I actually did look up book two and I'm not sure why, but when I read the description of book two, I thought it was totally different characters for some reason, but it's not, it's the guy that he escaped with. It's Ren. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would be interested in actually reading that book. Me too. Which is saying a lot since I'd have to pay for that one also. (laughs) Oh, I know. Poor baby. (laughs) What about you? So I freaking loved this book. And I was shocked at how much I love this book. And yes, this book did not have a lot of graphic sex in it. It did have a ton of romance, but I've read a lot of books that have graphic sex in it. And there is no story. This book was, had me from the get go. I love the fact that the characters were really interesting. I love the angel involvement. I think this author did an amazing job writing this. For a book that wasn't very long, it was much more satisfying than many books I've read that are over 300 pages long and not nearly as good. So even though it wasn't super sexy because of the romance and the quality of the writing, I would give this five stars or five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And I would read, I'm definitely going to read the next book. I think this is a great author and I highly recommend people read her. I agree. I was pleasantly surprised. And I actually looked the author up mm-hmm. and she has her own podcast. Oh, she does. I, I haven't listened to it yet, but she has a shit ton of episodes. Actually, she's got over 200 episodes in her podcast. Wow. And her podcast is called My Imaginary Friends. So I'll probably love check it. that out at some point, too. Yeah, I think I will too. In fact, I think you should email her and tell her that or text or message or whatever it is you young people do and tell her that (laughs) (laughs) we did her, reviewed her book. Does she have a lot of books out? I think so, or a decent amount. But in this series, there's only two. But that's okay. okay. I mean, yeah, that's okay. I mean, a good writer. Yeah, a good writer is a good writer. It doesn't matter. I'm sure Yeah, I I would be interested in checking out her storyline. So yeah, that's that's interesting to know. Yeah, I was very happy. Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly uh, surprised. Sh- so we've been talking for like an hour and 20 minutes almost. Okay. So All right. So wrap it up. Um, What's the next book? So the next book is a book that I've actually heard about a while ago, and I'm kind of excited to read it because I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. The book is called Choosing Theo by Victoria Aveline. Yeah. So as we're going yeah, back to our is, aliens. Yeah, this is a lot. You know, I got to tell you, every time I start reading a book about aliens and women being kidnapped, I have nightmares. Oh, I have, really? Yeah. I have. Uh, it's only those books. I have massive nightmares because I'm terrified of aliens. So, yeah, oh, I started reading this book. <laughs> like, what? Let's go talk to Maybe your Maybe we shouldn't read so much alien romance. <laughs> Well, no, it's okay, but I'm just saying it's like terrifying to me. And I started reading the book last night, and sure as shit, I went to bed last night and I had copious nightmares about aliens. Oh, 
Oh no, maybe you need to start reading them in the morning. I can't read in the morning. I'll need to go back to bed. Oh yeah, that's true. I'm the morning reader. You're the night reader. Yeah. Opposites attract. Oh, well. I guess if any listeners have a non-alien story <laughs> recommendation, we're all ears. Yes, we are, people. I actually just wanted to say real fast, because if I don't say it now, I'm not going to remember. All right. Next episode, I'm listening to an audiobook from one of my favorite authors. It's not really a romance. It's a sci-fi and fantasy book that I'm listening to. It's an audiobook. Is Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Okay. It is the reason I'm mentioning it though is because I've never listened to an audiobook like this before. No. It's called a graphic audio with a full cast, cinematic music, and sound effects, and it's really effing cool. So oh, I wrote if it down. Interested in a different type of audiobook? Huh. This is actually only part one of two. Okay. For the audiobooks. But I really like this book series in general. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, I've never listened to a story that's a graphic audio before. Let me check it out. Got it through the Hoopla app. And it's really different and really. I think if you like serialized scripted podcasts, you would really like this style of audiobook. Oh, I see. Okay. So I'm yeah. mentioning it now because I'm probably going to finish that within the next day or two. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to forget because it's very different type of audiobook. Okay. Sounds awesome to me. All right. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you, honey. I had a great time. It's so much fun with your friends today. Oh, Thank and happy birthday. To, your birthday was yesterday for people that don't <laughs> yes. follow us on Instagram. So uh, it was yeah. busy week. It was Mother's Day and birthday all wrapped into weekend. one. Weekend. One weekend of, of exhaustion. And of out and, yeah. I'm like, how am I going to make it through Scotland when I've had two days of activity in a row and I'm exhausted and need to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> going to be in trouble. Know. I don't know either. <laughs> we'll find yeah. out. I'm willing to try. Yep. All right, babe. All right. Get some rest before tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I will. All, All right. right. Have a good night. You too. I love you, honey. All right. Love you too. Bye, sweetie. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com and check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Thank you.